0: Hi! Good evening, everybody! Hello! Good afternoon! Good brunch! Good brunch! Welcome, everybody! Welcome to Nurse Coffee Talk. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. (laughs) And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Here we are. And that's it. We're here again. That's the intro. Uh, We screwed up uh, most of the time. So welcome. So (laughs) welcome. Where we screw things up. Come join us. Well, we have to keep it so tight during our job that when we're off of the job, we just screw it all up. It's loosey goosey. That's right. (laughs)
1: Loosey goosey. Hope you're all
0: having a beautiful October so far.
1: Aw. I'm having a beautiful October. How about you?
0: I love fall. It's my favorite. Same. It's the best. I mean, absolutely love everything about fall.
1: I met my first person ever in my life who said he didn't like changing seasons. He only liked it hot.
0: Oh, what a dumb Floridian.
1: I know, right? That's not where he's yeah. from. But regardless, same kind of vibe. Because <laughs> he now lives somewhere where there are seasons. So he, it's not like he's saying it based on, I just grew up like this and that's all I know. Mm-hmm. He now has moved somewhere that has seasons. And I'm like, oh, are you, know, are you enjoying the crisp fall weather out where you are. And he was like, I, it fall kind of makes me sad. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, cold and the leaves are dying and, you know, and I was like, you're not taking in the majesty that is this, of our changing colorful worlds and the renewal of you know all these things and like the crisp beautiful weather where you can wear comfortable clothes for the first time in months and like mm-hmm. and I'm like listening to all these things he's like no you're not selling me I'm not in- I'm not into it
0: and like your shins aren't sweating right. <laughs> right I mean like when my shins sweat it's a problem it's a problem Ugh. anyway Ugh. Ugh. Woof. I know I um Well, I mean, you know me, like my husband and I, we love cold weather. We went to Alberta, Canada in December for our honeymoon.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, that paints quite a picture.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just love it. I don't think I'll ever get to take a tropical vacation with him because he doesn't like to like sit out in the sun and like just lounge by the pool. Like it's not his gig at all. I do
1: like it, but I like it for a vacation, not for my lifestyle. To live in. Yeah.
0: Well, I know, but even for vacation, like, I'll be like, hey, you want to go down to Sandals? And he's like, what are we going to do there? We're going
1: to lounge and we're going to drink my ties and we're going to have sex. What do you think we're going to do there? Like, that's all there is to do at Sandals.
0: And he's like, Well, we're not going to be in the pool. We can have sex at home for free. <laughs> like... <laughs> okay, thanks. Oh, boy. Anyway, well, listen, we have a crap ton to get into today. We have had, oh, my gosh listeners have been inundating us with emails and instas, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So I want to get into some of the things, because you guys are asking some really great questions and really pushing us to, like, think about things that we didn't think about before. And so it's been wonderful. And plus, also, I have to go to work after this, so we got to crack it. Go, (laughs) Let's go. I know. I really just want to go to bed, but I have to go to work.
1: Ugh. I feel very very sad because as soon as we're done I'm going to leap into my bed and snuggle and fall asleep
0: immediately. As soon as we're done I'm going to slide on my uniform and go make my hour commute. Oh
1: gross. Well,
0: I know it's so gross. So sad. But I was going to pick up I was going to pick up tomorrow night cuz it'll put me in overtime but I'm just like no, no, not doing That's it. That's making me just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm not even editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, oh, first of all, before we even get into our listener feedback stuff and before I alienate our entire audience, (laughs) we know, well, you all know that I believe there is an ongoing war between ER and ICU. Uh And you all know I'm on the ER side. okay? so with that in mind, (sighs) Sarah, can I just tell you how much I hate ICU nurses? (laughs) (laughs) I would
1: recommend you approach it carefully, (laughs) because I do think that is a big part of our base, but I can't immediately say that I disagree. So yes, please tell me.
0: Okay, just ICU nurses, like, why are you so terrible to ER people? Like, we're doing the best that we can, and we just... Work very differently. So here's a story. Let me back up. I feel like ICU nurses just think that they're better than everybody. They but I do. also, yeah. But I also think that ER nurses think that they're better than everybody too. Yeah, so. I
1: believe that. I think that both of those audiences listening right now are probably nodding their heads, being like, "Well, because we are." <laughs> Meanwhile, the little med surge nurses are like, y'all ain't shit. Shut up.
0: (laughs) We're the ones who keep our stable patients all ready to go. We get them home. (laughs) That's heavy right. The other night, I have a patient, and uh, he came in with, like, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, and uh, we ended up intubating him, and, of course, he tanked pressure-wise, so we put him on LevaFed or levofad wherever you prefer nor epinephrine <laughs> oh uh, formal names only please <laughs> Right. So for those of you who don't know, levofed or Levofed or Levo, it's a, uh, it's a presser. So it helps elevate people's blood pressures. And I know the ICU nurses all know that. And I know the ER nurses all know that, but not everybody else may know. My dad used to call levofed leave dead. Really? <laughs> Why?
1: He was a nurse in an older time mm-hmm. when people weren't as sick and weren't able to be stabilized in such a way, I think.
0: Oh. Yeah, He always
1: talks about how much sicker hospital patients are now.
0: Yeah, but there's a lot of times that we put people on Levo that, like, they're Don't not, it. I mean, they're obviously sick, but they make it, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so I was able to get his pressure up enough to start titrating up on the propofol, which is a sedation medication that drops pressure because it dilates the vascular system and all that stuff. So it's really like a lot of times diprivan or propofol, same thing. It drops patients' blood pressure a lot, and so we had turned it off. And I get the levafehn on, and I'm titrating, and our pumps are titrating weight based. So I have him programmed in at 71 kilos, right? I finally get him to a sweet spot between the Dipper Van and the levafed and we're good to go. And his pressure is maintaining like in the 90s, low 100s. His map is looking good. Good to go. So about a half an hour later, the alarm starts going off that his blood pressure is 82. So I go and I titrate again, and his pressure just keeps dropping and dropping. So I wean off the diprivan, I increase the fat, and I'm titrating these drips, and I'm, I spent like another probably 40 minutes at his bedside just really, really gently titrating everything to try and find that sweet spot again for him. So I find the sweet spot right as I get a bed up in ICU. I call report, I take him up to the bed. I'm getting him over to the bed and they're changing out the pumps. And the primary nurse tells another nurse who's getting the pumps ready, hey, just set the pump at 22.7 mls and I'll put program it in later. And the nurse is like, no, I can do it. I can program it in. So she's like, how much does he weigh? And I said, he weighs 71 kilos. And another nurse comes up with her wow and her Epic pulled up and she goes, he's 71.6 kilos. I said, okay, I if I were you, I would just run it at 71 kilos because I found the sweet spot for him. She looks at me and she goes, I mean, I know how to run a drip. I, I can eyeball this drip better than you can. How is that a necessary thing to say? First of all, I just shut my mouth because nothing that I was going to say afterwards was even remotely going to be kind. Yeah. Because, first of all, why are you eyeballing a drip? You don't need to eyeball a drip. You have a pump there, and you're in a hospital that requires you to run it on a pump. So you shouldn't be eyeballing it anyway. Right. But my point to you was that I really found a sweet spot for this guy at 71 kilos. And while 0.6 kilos may not seem like a lot, when it's compounded over micrograms over minutes... It does make a difference if you have a, if you have somebody who's like really kind of teetering outside of that sweet spot. Yeah.
1: Well, I assume they were working under the, you know, assumption, to use that word twice in one sentence, (laughs) that you threw up a drip and brought him upstairs and that there was no thought process that went into it.
0: They probably did think there was no thought process because I'm an ER nurse and what would I possibly know about a drip? Right. It's just so annoying. Like, your comment was completely unnecessary. It doesn't show any teamwork whatsoever. Like, just, okay, maybe just have a little respect for me and maybe think that I'm might know what I'm doing. Just saying.
1: The thing I found, and this is, this is anecdotal, and a sweeping declaration all in one. Ready? Ready, folks? Mm-hmm. You can say whatever you want after, but the people I've found who can't help themselves to make themselves feel superior in front of the person they're insulting is the ICU nurses.
0: I just don't understand, like...
1: You know what I mean? Where it's, like, not enough for them to be snotty when you leave. They have to be snotty to your face and make you feel like shit so that they can... Now, and again, I'm sure, you know, we are alienating people. I'm sure you're not like that. It's not all ICU nurses,
0: blah, 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 no, whatever. No, it's, it's but not all ICU nurses. But you work with people ICU that are nurses. like this.
1: And you know know who I'm talking about. You probably have people who popped into your head as soon as we started talking about this. Yeah. And it's not cute and nobody's impressed. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You received training to do this, correct? On top of the same exact degree and license that I have. Right. Now, different personalities are better suited. Fine. That's fine. I don't disagree with that. But you are not God-given to be in this role. And you are not, you know, the same way that, like, whenever someone has a PhD or an MD and they're like, oh, hi, Mr. Smith. Oh, it's Dr. Smith, actually. And you're like, (laughs) okay, I can kind of, I'm not, I don't love it, but I can kind of get on board with, like, the sheer volume of of school money and time that was put into, like, having those degrees. Okay. Sure. That is not the case here. Mm -hmm. You received a three-month orientation, a six-month, whatever, six-month orientation, yeah. even if it was an 18-month orientation, <laughs> you received an orientation from a regular, regular fucking nurse just like me. Right. Give me a break.
0: Well, the thing is, is, like, I truly think that this goes back to bullying. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like, you're making this comment to my face. On one hand, I guess I'd rather you say it to my face than behind my back, but, what I mean, whatever. And I can hold my own, but, like, it could have gotten real ugly because, literally, if I opened my mouth, nothing that came out of my mouth was (laughs) going to be pleasant. Yeah, right. I just wish that we could get to a point where we would just have a mutual respect. Like, oh, my God, there was this great thing on Facebook today that was... (laughs) I'm going to send it to you if I can find it. I posted to my personal page, not my nurse coffee talk page. It's like an ICU nurse and an ER nurse talking. And the ICU nurse is asking all the annoying questions that we all want to know, or like that they all want to know. And the ER nurse is responding. Like the ICU nurse is like, is the patient alert and oriented? And the ER nurse says, the ER nurse says, we don't have that here. We have belligerent, intoxicated, or downright <laughs> rude. And lucky for you, this patient's all three. <laughs> <laughs> so he is a no times three. I know. So I mean, it's just stuff like that yeah. that you're just like. And then the ones like, bye bitch. <laughs> it's like, just stuff that we're like, all thinking in our head. Like, I just don't understand why ER and ICU hate each other so much. Like ER, and then I myself included, I can say this because I've worked ICU as well. But ER needs to understand that the ICU nurse has a very different level of assessment and caring for the patient. Yeah. And that's wonderful for the patient. The patient needs that. But ICU needs to understand that ER has a very different set of priorities as a nurse down there. Mm -hmm. Our job is to stabilize the patient and move them up to you so that you can care for them. We don't have the time to invest that you do with your patients. We don't have a one to two ratio down there. Mm -hmm. Like we're trying to keep them alive. I know you're trying to keep them alive too, we are trying to keep two people alive. Under we're trying to keep much eighteen different people alive.
1: Circumstances, resources, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah,
0: for sure. Like I can't even get extra channels for my pumps. Right. Like if I want to run, yeah, talk about
1: eyeballing a drip. That's all ER does. Are you kidding? I also think that there's this level of well, I'm an ICU nurse, and like I could do what an ER nurse does but I don't want to. That's the difference. And then ER, I could do what an ICU nurse does, but I don't want to. That's the difference. You're cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what irks each other. But then there's also, because there's such different workflows, you know, there's all those memes about, even like OR, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, you send a patient off with all their lines. Perfect. And they come back (laughs) from OR just like tangled Christmas lights. And you're thinking, oh my actual God,
0: what? How do you
1: function like this? How like, What happened and, what down what there? What happened down there? Are you twisting my <laughs> patient around like a corkscrew? Like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, so there's also different, you know, levels of the organization and the priorities and the organized chaos or whatever. And like, can't we all just get along and just respect that we all are doing what's right for the patient. Like, come on.
0: Well, that's, that's my point is like, I think that we need to start approaching situations with the fact that like, look, you work very differently than I work and that's intentional. But please respect the work I do and I'll respect the work you do. Yeah. You know, like, I just think we need to approach each other from a level of respect rather than like, oh my God, ER, can you believe them? Mm -hmm. And then ER, like, oh my God, ICU, they're the worst. Like, just, just let's take a deep breath and respect the fact that we all work differently. And not, it's not just ER and ICU. I mean, the floor hates ER, ER hates the floor. We all hate lab, whatever. We talked about that. (laughs) But let's... Let's think about the fact that we all are meant to function in a specific type of way and it's different than the other nurses. That's why we're separate units.
1: Well, I completely agree. And remember when we were talking about the nurses on the floor that spend a lot of time It was nurses on, it was in your ER who spent like a lot of time and energy excluding other people from ordering food and being bullies. Uh Remember that? And I remember my comment because I still, I feel it with the same vitriol as when I said it, which is, is your life so boring and small that this is how you have to get your rocks off? Really, you're such an uninteresting person that you need to bully other people at work to feel cool. Like that's so, I feel so sad for those people. Like they must just have nothing going on because that's just really pathetic. And as superior as that makes you feel in the moment, there's so there's more layers to it than that. And like as superior as either ER or ICU or floor or lab or, I, or, or whomever we're talking to, As superior as you may feel over the person you're receiving or giving report to or from, then be that superior person and take the high road and shut your mouth. Like, there is no need for the snark.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to take that a step further. I'll even give people the benefit of the doubt. I feel like people are not doing that because they're small and that makes them feel superior. I feel like people are doing it because, A, that's the culture in which they've been raised as a nurse, that like their unit does everything the best. If you were taught a level of respect for the other types of nurses, whether it be ER or the floor, because ICU and the floor are just as bad. Mm -hmm. Floor to ICU, ICU to the floor. Like that relationship is not a great one either. Mm -hmm, I just think that if we just learn how to respect what other people's roles are, instead of trying to, like, build this hierarchy of, like, this type of nursing is better than this type of nursing, mm-hmm. then maybe, maybe we wouldn't have these types of interactions. But I think it's a culture that, you know, when you're training in one place, like, if you're training med and like, oh my god, it is the worst trying to give report to the ICU or when an ICU nurse is giving a report to you and like, you know, and then there's just this constant battle. And I don't know. I just think we need to have a better level of respect. I
1: think we need to be better. I agree. So
0: anyway, whew, that went downhill fast. Yeah. Sorry. For all you ICU <laughs> nurses, I'm sure you're not the people that I don't like because you listen to our podcast, which means you must have a sense of humor. That's
1: exactly right. <laughs> anyway.
0: Been. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some of the user feedback. All right. So the first one is from B. This is an email that came in from B, whose subject line is "Total Fan," which yeah. of course I had to open. Right?
1: It did make me think of OnlyFans, which is different.
0: I don't know what OnlyFans are. Oh,
1: it's porn. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's it, but it's it's entrepreneurial porn. So it's like any Joe Schmo can upload their own videos of whatever that might be from beat stuff to worse and uh then people subscribe to it and you can make that's like how people make side money
0: oh okay moving right along i hope that it, i want it to be about
1: OnlyFans.
0: <laughs> a nursing only fans page oh my god i'm not opening that page <laughs> you can start that side gig. i mean
1: listen you heard it here first
0: i can't even get my husband to go to sandals okay <laughs> <laughs> All right. Total fan B. Hi there. I'm a nursing student and I'm going to graduate in May. That's awesome. I am a complete fan of your podcast and love how raw and genuine you two are. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I listen to your podcast every week and would like to see the bad asses behind the podcast. Do you guys have personal accounts that fans can find you at? I understand if the reason is no for personal reasons, which I respect, but thought I would ask. Okay. So, B, I love that you brought this up because I'm sure you're not the only one. Well, I know you're not the only one because other people have asked us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's come up enough that we should address it. So, the issue is Sarah and I are trying to keep a level of anonymity because we do talk about such exact specific cases with patients. Mm -hmm. So, we want to keep private, like, where we live, the hospital system, we work at. We don't want people to recognize us because I mean realistically, look, we could probably lose our jobs for some of the stuff we talk about. And if you want our podcast to keep going, we need to keep our jobs so we can talk about this. That's stuff. So I mean the whole point was to have a platform where you could go and chat about nursing things without the fear of losing your job. And so in order to do that, we need to stay more anonymous. So while you know our names. Um, that's kind of the extent that we want you to know. We would love, love, love to, like, have videos and pictures and things like that so you guys can, you know, more relate to us and things like that, but we just, at this point in our careers, we just can't risk losing our jobs. So, unfortunately, what you get is what you get at this point. If we ever move out of clinical care, then maybe we can move forward with, like, posting more personal stuff about where we are, but while we're still actively working bedside and talking about current cases, that's something we kind of have to keep private. And I'm really sorry, but we love that you're a fan and we love that you're listening. But that's also why we keep you anonymous too. So we just give first initials so that you're not at any risk either. Exactly. Hope that helps, B. Thanks for writing in. All right, the next one is from C. C says, we have so many students that listen to our podcast. I love it. Mm-hmm. It says, I'm in my first week of nursing school and multiple prof- Wait, let me back up. I'm in my first week of oh, nursing school. Welcome. <laughs> and multiple professors have already brought up Press Ganey surveys. Oh
1: my <laughs> fucking God.
0: That is so so annoying. She sent like the smiley face with eye rolling and said, I knew y'all would eye roll with me and had to share. Oh
1: my God. Oh, that grinds my gears.
0: I know. But then she follows it up with, may the scores be ever in your favor. So.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's gotta be a t-shirt. I know. That's incredible.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Welcome to nursing school.
1: Fuck, that's so stupid. (laughs)
0: Press Ganey. Like, welcome to nursing school. Let's talk about Press Ganey.
1: There's so much to say that I don't even have anything to say about that. That's how I feel. I
0: just uh well, episode two, yeah. right? <laughs> Alright, so this one is from H. Hi, H. She wanted to write in to tell us about a story. H. I had a patient in March of this year who came in for penile bleeding. Oh my God, I love where this is going already. (laughs) He had a Foley placed some weeks prior with the intention of undergoing a procedure to correct his enlarged prostate. Because of COVID, that procedure was delayed and this poor man had this Foley in for a couple of months. Yucks. No. He was bleeding out of his urethra around the Foley. There were blood clots in the tubing and the urine in his bag was a lovely shade of fuchsia.
1: Who made that call? Who would leave a Foley in for months in lieu of doing an easy procedure? COVID or not?
0: Yeah, I don't know. He's going to die
1: of sepsis before he dies of COVID.
0: That's so true. He was concerned, rightfully so, about the bleeding, but more than that, he was perplexed about the cause of the bleeding. We asked him many questions, ran labs, and did some imaging, and the physician con- consulted with a urologist, etc. He asked me multiple times, what is causing this? Why is this happening? I just want to know why this started happening so quickly. I'm worried something is very wrong. And H writes, us too, guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why you're admitted to the hospital. Welcome.
0: We want to know and try to fix it for you. He said that he woke that morning and he was bleeding. He had no issues beforehand. He said he wasn't in pain. He just woke up and his penis was bleeding and wouldn't stop. Mm. So after hours of working this guy up, performing a bladder irrigation, consulting various physicians... The ED doc pulled me aside and said, so did he tell you what he did last night? She says, of course he hadn't. And she says, he had sex with the Foley in place. Oh my God. And as a baby nurse, I'm thinking I'm missing something. So I say, uh, what? Expecting her to act like it happens all the time because I'm surprised by a lot of things I see. She repeats herself and proceeds to say she has never encountered this before in her career. How does that even work? I asked. And the doc says, I asked him that. Apparently, he just pulled the tubing flush against his erection and did the deed. Oh, my God. He was discharged after the bladder irrigation and thoroughly educated on proper Foley Care, which included a lengthy discussion on the importance of abstinence when you have a large plastic tube inside your penis secured into your bladder by a water-filled balloon. Keep up the amazing work, ladies. You have a fan for life. <laughs> Thanks, oh. <H>. A. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just tell you, like, the there's image a lot that to I have? And... there in one little email. What? There's a lot to unpack there. I know, but, like, I have this mental image in my brain. Oh, I'm picturing it vividly right now. <laughs> You're going to think I'm weird. This is what it's I'm thinking. Never. I know that you've put in enough male Foley's uh-huh. to know that oftentimes there's not much rope left at the end, if you know what I'm saying. No. Because their bladder is so high up. It's so high up. So I'm thinking this guy had to have a pretty small deck to be able to, like, bend the foley up flush against his penis.
1: Well, I've also put in enough male foleys that I know that most
0: men seem to be. Well... <laughs> Okay, but you know what she's saying? Like he bent the fully up, like flush against his penis. Yeah, so there was and enough must length have, like held it there for him to was... insert his
1: f- probably full penis erect, which is going to be bigger, right? So that means that there was like triple the tubing left, basically, like you know, all the way inside, and then enough to completely fold it over so that the bag was not in the way. Right. Yes.
0: Right. Yes. So all I can think about is like he had a really small dick. Well. That's probably true. <laughs> Statistically, that's probably true. I mean, I don't think that's the point that H was trying to make. But no, that's probably all not. I can but I do. <laughs>
1: I do. You know, when you hear about people who like fuck ostomies,
0: oh, gross! And
1: <sighs> I wonder. You know, listen, I'm not trying to kink shame,
0: but I'm sorry. I'm on that one. <laughs> I can't get on. No, board but with I'm that.
1: willing to kink shame on that one. <laughs> I can't get oh on. Oh my board god! That. And.
0: There's a difference between being kinky and being, like, downright absolutely fucking disgusting.
1: Well, and, like, medically dangerous, and, Ugh. Ugh. you know, I'm thinking just about the woman that I, I assume climbed on top and let a dick and a tube. Now, maybe she didn't feel it. I don't know. But, like, yeah, that felt good to you? I don't
0: know. Maybe it was, like, ribbed for her pleasure.
1: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it hit the exact right side. She's like, babe, you're never taking that Foley out. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. All right. We should get into some nursing topics. Yeah, I think we probably should. (laughs) All right. Uh, Today's topic. Thanks, H. Thanks, H, for that visual. (laughs) Today's topic is uh, VIP patients. And we had a listener write in, which kind of spawned this idea. So let me read that and then we'll get into it. Mm Okay, this is from R. First of all, love your podcast. Think I finally downloaded and listened to them all, which I love, but also hate because I have to wait for a new one every week. (laughs) Damn binge listening. (laughs) R, that's so flattering. Thank you. (laughs) See, we do. We need to get this Patreon thing going so people can listen to us more frequently if they're members.
1: Although I will say what's been funny is, and this is like sort of unrelated, but. One of my friends, I'd reached out to her and I said, like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Like, how's it going? She goes, you know what's funny? I have been listening to your podcast. And so it's like I'm talking to you. So I haven't <laughs> felt the need to reach out to you because I feel very connected to you right now.
0: Oh, my God. That's so funny. And I was
1: like, okay, well, that's extremely one-sided. and that's very little to do with what's actually happening in my life. So, like, would you like to talk normally? <laughs>
0: Well, you know, the good thing about this is you can have some really low-maintenance friendships. Totally low-maintenance friendships. I mean, I
1: have to do very little effort at all to keep
0: them engaged. That's right. In fact, you really have to just spend effort with me in order to appease her. Right. It's perfect. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. All right. I want to know your opinion on VIP patients. I know you mentioned them in some shows, specifically the social media one it seems like at my particular facility, people get listed as VIP only if they are somehow related to a doctor or someone on the board. It really irks my nerves. Oh, you know what? You two would probably get along well. Mm-hmm. Does it give you a bee in your bonnet? <laughs> Sorry, R. It really irks my nerves because they typically end up in one of the ICUs that even if they don't require icu care which i feel is totally inappropriate and a waste of valuable beds and resources what are your thoughts on this well i have a lot of thoughts on this yeah and yeah we have uh we have talked about vip's a little bit the first thing i want to say with regards to the icu beds is you know to be honest if you have an abundance of icu beds and they're just empty beds not being used then I personally don't really see a problem of it as long as they are not billing for ICU. Yes, because if they're billing for ICU because she's in the ICU department, that's fraud. Correct.
1: They probably are not as someone. They're who probably does not that. if that.
0: If they're just using the bed as an overflow space, then where where Sarah and I work together, we literally. We were pushing people out of ICU as fast as possible because we had really sick people that needed those beds, and you would have never found an a VIP in an ICU bed unless they were ICU status.
1: No, they would have gotten a private for sure, but it wouldn't have been an ICU bed.
0: Right, correct. But
1: there are hospitals that don't have any privates except for ICU.
0: Yeah. So, and honestly, even our our VIP... Now, I'm not going to name the names, but we had times where... We would get emails from people on the board or people really high up that we would have somebody famous coming into our hospital ahead of time. We would know, and they would say, "If you are able to accommodate a private room, this person would like a private room."
1: Yeah, which is like being voluntold, basically. I mean, they didn't even
0: demand that we get a private room because they knew that it's not always possible. Yeah. Now, of course, we did everything we could because obviously it's a VIP. But yeah. But there's
1: nothing quite like having to potentially move someone out of that to let another, I mean, I know we're going to get into this in a second, but like to let another person into that bed, like who doesn't need it for medical reasons. Like,
0: right. whoa. I know. It's uh, blah, blah, The other thing that I was going to say is you are saying that your VIP patients are related to a doctor or a board member. That is pretty much what I see or a celebrity. That's, like, what I see people get VIP labels, Donors, yeah. And, yes, people who give the hospital a lot of money. Yeah. And look, if I give the hospital $50 million, I would hope that I get a private room Mm -hmm. when I go to the hospital. Absolutely. We talked about
1: that. I don't remember which episode it was. Maybe it was social media. I don't, I don't remember.
0: I don't know. There was one where you were telling me about this whole wing that was for VIP. Well, yes,
1: I do. Yes, I can speak to that. But they pay out of pocket for that. But... And that can be anybody, just anybody with money can do that. And, but the problem is that also, I think a lot of times VIPs are also people who, on top of all those other people we listed, are also just people who are really rich and have the potential to give us money, I think, is part of it, too. So it's kind of like we're also trying to sell them on the hospital.
0: (laughs) Wait, I'd put them in a semi-private and be like, see how bad we need money? Yeah, no kidding. We need money so bad. Look at this. It's terrible here. I can't Um, even give you your own private room. (laughs) But
1: I was going to say, we talked about on some episode of if you find out that there's an employee at the hospital do you mm-hmm. try and give them a private room? And I was like, man, we get so few perks. Like there are so many. Yeah. Everyone else gets credit card points and miles, and they can take free trips with all their miles and hotel nonsense. And they're traveling around, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they get bonuses and stock options and all this shit, right? Like everyone's getting mm-hmm. all these perks for work. Yeah. And cars, and you know whatever. Oh my god, nurses get diddly fucking squat and we get nothing. Mm-hmm. So. Other than working 312s, which are horrible, and it takes you the full remainder of your time off to recover from them, <laughs> and having, like, a few extra days off because of it, like, what are the perks? You know, the pay is average, like, I don't, you know, I'm not, so can I get a private room when me or my family comes in, please? Please. Yeah. But that, well, I wouldn't be considered a VIP if I rolled into the hospital.
0: No, not at all.
1: Because I don't have $50 million to give them.
0: If you did, you wouldn't be an employee. Correct. <laughs> I'd
1: be off me and
0: my only fans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> my only fans. So I'm gonna make
1: my millions.
0: <laughs> well, we have suggested 18 streams of revenue among uh, like on this podcast <laughs> and things that we need to do. for the but... taking, we just have to invent something. I know, man. Or we're gonna open our wrap it up shop or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the burrito place. <laughs> wrap it up. Also, that can be a slogan for your my only page. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's this has theme. gotten out of hand. Okay. <laughs> so-, <laughs> so anyway, okay, so VIPs. So, you know, philosophically, I feel really torn about the whole VIP issue because... Do I think just because you're the nephew of a physician that works at my facility, you should get a private room? Oh my God, absolutely not. No. I don't. I don't agree with that. Do I think because you're the relative or an actual board member, you should get a private room? Nope, not so much. Do I think if you're a donor and you give a lot of money to the hospital? Yep, I think you should get a private room for that. Yeah. As far as like celebrities go... I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all know they live in a different world, right?
1: Well, so I was thinking about it as you were saying that, like celebrities specifically, because on the one hand, the bitter bunny side of me says, well, y'all always are complaining about not being treated like normal people. And it's like, us Mm -hmm. weekly, they go shopping for groceries just like we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but also what it comes down to is a privacy issue,
0: Mm -hmm. ultimately. The privacy issue applies to every single person in the world.
1: Of course it does. But I think there's more interest... And if you've got Joe Schmo in a, bed A, who has a wife and some friends and neighbors and some mm-hmm. grandkids, you know, versus John Bon Jovi in bed B, right. there's going to be more interest in telling the world that John Bon Jovi is admitted to the hospital than Joe Schmo.
0: Sure, for sure.
1: So people can, whether they're selling the information or not, like, yes, it does apply to everybody, a thousand percent, full stop, it does. But the temptation to mm. break that privacy is higher with, yeah. with someone like that, with the, when there's a vested sure. interest. And yeah, I'm, that makes sense. That, so that would be my only argument about that. I'm not saying mm. that I think they deserve it, but I'm saying, like, privacy-wise, logistically, I think that probably is a safer option for them.
0: Yeah. No, you're right about that. The... Other point of my philosophical discussion, and I've said this before, is, you know, VIP patients tend to be treated better. And my argument is... They shouldn't be. We treat all of our patients as the best that we can. Like, that's the goal, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is we really do treat our VIP patients better. Yeah. Like, I remember we had... I was a new nurse and we had this neurosurgeon who was like... I mean, let's just start by saying he's a neurosurgeon. I mean, that should say enough, enough, right? Yes, completely. But anyway, so he was admitted to our floor because he had had, like, a procedure done or something like that, and I was on orientation, and I was assigned with my preceptor to his room. Now, I did not do any care for him because I was on orientation, and he's a neurosurgeon, so just (laughs) privacy things and whatever. But... Apparently, like, he was super nice as a patient, Mm -hmm. but, like, we definitely did treat him differently. You Mm -hmm. know, like, he, you know, any perk you could have and, like you know, he dictated his care because he's a doctor and Mm like, you know, just, oh yeah. I don't think there's any way to avoid that. But in theory, they shouldn't be getting better treatment. Like everybody should be getting the best treatment that you can provide regardless. Yeah. So it's like, to me, it's really hard to like talk about VIP patients because it's kind of oxymoronical.
1: I agree. And what I was going to say is to, is to bring it the next step further of what we're going to talk about is we've tiptoed around this a little bit. Sometimes we've, looked it right in the face sometimes we haven't you know again this is anecdotal this is just us sharing our raw experiences but i feel pretty strongly that though we should have the greatest easiest mission in hospitals is to serve the patient as best we can right like at the bottom Mm -hmm. is the patient the baseline is the patient at the top is the patient like everything should be about the patient so whenever Mm -hmm. we are doing anything from the c-suite on down it's about the patient Well, that's the party line. And that's an easy out in terms of when people want to get their way about something, you know, whatever it may be. And Mm. it's definitely what's like sold to the public and to the staff and all these different things and, you know, sold to the patient. It's all about them, their story, cater them, Press Gainy, concierge level service, blah, 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 hotel service, Mm. blah, 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 nonsense. But we know that that isn't true, honestly. It's a business. It's run like a business. It's ego stroking. It's money based. It's keeping the ego stroked in order to continue to make money, as we've seen with all these physician issues that we've talked about.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: So look no further of proof of that than the special treatment that VIP patients who VIP is absolutely synonymous with wealthy. Mm -hmm. There's a few that maybe aren't, you know, family members and things like that, but they have influence. On someone with money or power. Sure. So those are two absolutely synonymous things. They are getting wildly elevated treatment, I guess is the word that I'll use, Mm -hmm. Sure. because of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, look no further than proof that it's not really about every single individual patient who walks in the door.
0: I mean, we've known that. Of course.
1: But it's just so, like, whenever we would get an email about that or they would show up on the floor, they show up on our floors now. Or you hear about mm-hmm. it down the grapevine, or so-and-so's in that fancy, you know, whatever-the-fuck place where they pay to stay in that nice area or whatever. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, it just, what did she say? It irks my... Irks my nerves. It irks my <laughs> nerves. <laughs> I know. It irks my nerves, too. And it's it's kind of sad because people that don't have money don't have the opportunity for this, like, really high level of care treatment. And there's a disparity in care.
1: Absolutely. Which is another whole thing. I
0: mean, honestly, even though I'm a very well-intentioned nurse, but I feel genuinely that I do my best with every patient I have. But if I have a VIP patient, I do better. Yeah. I know. I agree. Yeah, you put on your best, shiniest waitress face. That's right. And like, I mean, so I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I mean, I should be having my best shiny waitress face with every patient. Mm-hmm. But I think it takes so much energy. Well, that's to... what I was going to say. We can't
1: sustain that with every single patient. It's exhausting.
0: Right. It is exhausting. I told you, I think, before, like, I could never work on a VIP unit.
1: Oh, no. Neither I of mean, us there's time. just,
0: there's no way. We're way too honest. They would see I it mean, right I got Facebook. fired from a country club. <laughs> did you?
1: Yeah, did I not tell you that story? I don't story? know. What you Were you su- not sucking up to the members?
0: Oh, not only was I not sucking up, <laughs> I was like. I don't know, 17 or whatever, and I was working...
1: <laughs> I can only imagine how irreverent you were at 17.
0: Well, first of all, I was the smartest I've ever been in my whole life at 17. <laughs> so. Obviously, yes, of course. I know. And you knew it, too. And I knew it, absolutely. So I was like 17, I was working at a country club, and I was working in, a, in the snack bar, right? And so all these like rich, hoity-toity people would send their kids to the pool and... And the kids would come up to the snack bar and order whatever they wanted and just go on their account. They could just buy us out of candy and whatever, but we would make like grilled cheese and hamburgers and do like short cook, short order Mm -hmm. type of stuff, which I was never trained to do, but I mean, (laughs) it's a grilled cheese. I can figure it out, right? Right. But this lady comes up and we, it was like a super hot, super busy day. And she comes up and she's like, my kids have been waiting for their sandwiches for over 30 minutes. And I just looked right at her and I was like, ma'am, if you want fast food, you're going to have to go to McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, like, the following Monday, I got called into the country club offices, and they you know asked me about why. it. Did you why? No, I, no. I was completely clueless. I got called into the offices, and they, t- they reiterated the situation to me, and I was like, yeah, I absolutely said that. <laughs> well, at least you were honest. And they were like, you can't talk to the club members like that. And I was like, well, if this is a place where I can't stand up for myself in the work that I do, then I don't belong here. And they were like, we agree. (laughs) <laughs> that was it. That was that my was stint at it. the country club. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm not cut out for VIP patients so at all. Funny.
1: My ex boyfriend, obviously, my high school boyfriend, he worked at Coldstone Creamery for, I think, one week because he <laughs> went to the training. He got hired. And then a few days mm-hmm. later, which took up a major part of that week, he went mm-hmm. to the first training. And he discovered then that you had to sing when you got a tip. What? Yeah, if you put a tip in the chip jar, they have to sing a stupid little song. It's very short, but he found that out and he was like, oh, no and literally never came back, never showed up. I don't even know that he officially gave his notice or quit. He didn't get a paycheck. He literally was like, oh no, I'm not doing that. Oh my God, that's
0: too funny. Too funny. I don't, I wouldn't want to sing for tips either. That's crazy. Well, you know, the important thing is that you know what your tolerance level is and uh, you just know yourself. And (laughs) I knew that country club living wasn't for, country club employee wasn't for me.
1: Well, whenever you're in a scenario and maybe other people feel very natural in this, whatever. But when you're in, a scenario where the only defining characteristic of what earns somebody respect is their fact that they have money Mm -hmm. no i'm cool yeah That, that can miss me fully i'm no
0: no, I know. But see, we can turn this back into and make it applicable to the VIP patients. Like... That's what I'm saying. I know. It's... I don't know. So this was from our. Uh, yeah. So R, yeah. how do we feel about VIP patients? Well, I feel like it's something that we have to deal with in our world. I don't think it's fair in most cases. I don't necessarily think it's right, but I understand it to an extent, particularly with the donors, like yeah. people that give money, like, I'm sorry, if I give, millions of dollars to support this hospital, the very least you could do is give me my own private room when I'm there.
1: However, to circle back to our more specific point about her situation where they were in an ICU bed, not needing Mm -hmm. to be there, you know... I I can't speak for every hospital in America, obviously, but we, like many places, are in a full-on capacity crunch, Mm -hmm. absolute disaster land, well over 100% capacity, people boarding in the ER, X, Y, and Z. ICU beds are scarce. You know, the place we worked together was an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. I, you know, again, I don't know what it's like around the country, but from what I've seen from consistent nursing accounts and things like that, it seems like that's kind of the the story. Mm -hmm. Now, I work side by side with capacity management now in my role because I, I deal with throughput and getting patients discharged mm-hmm. so we're getting the pressure in a huge way but again the same way that like the bottom line is a patient like all of a sudden that takes a side like that's not as crucial when we're talking mm-hmm. about a VIP and it's like so mm-hmm. what else is on the list that would get you guys to get off my back about this because clearly that's one of them mm-hmm. We're like oh well it's a VIP patient so they get to dictate care. And they can say that they're not ready to discharge and X, Y, and Z. And I feel that way even on my service now where there are different types of patients. There's uh-huh. like the regular, regular heart failures and then the ones that have had different things done. And the uh-huh. different advanced therapies, depending on what team there are, they get to do all sorts of shit that we would never let another patient do. And
0: it right, sure.
1: irks my nerves because <laughs> I'm like, why is this patient not going? Oh, well, they don't want to go to sniff, so they're just going to stay here until they get strong and then go home. Right. Yeah.
0: No, uh, yeah, absolutely
1: just... fucking not. We would never let a regular patient do that. And so I'm absolutely. getting, they're breathing down my neck about getting patients out. But because, you know, they've, wh- whatever the reason may be, I'm sure that's true across a variety of different service lines. Mm-hmm. But same kind of thing of like, whenever we're making special exceptions, that all of a sudden, the big pillars of what make a hospital function aren't as crucial anymore. Like, you, it's phony. I just don't like it.
0: No, I, I'm, I am totally with you. We have talked about that on multiple occasions mm-hmm. that the tagline is, it's all about the patient, but we all know when push comes to shove, it's all about the money. Yeah. You and I recorded an episode a while back called The Bottom Line is the Bottom Line, and it was all about financials in the hospital. And we never published it because I don't feel like we got to the points that we wanted to get to, and we weren't like super satisfied with the episode. So it's yeah. like we have it on the back burner, but we've never published it. And it's just something that's so recurring in the healthcare system is that it really all comes down to money. Everything, everything that we do comes down to money. Our staffing ratios come down to money. The VIP patients and private beds come down to money. It all comes down to money. And it's very frustrating because we're taught time and time again that it's about the patient, but it's not. It's really not. That's a bunch of bullshit. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was going to tell you about um, the ICU bed situation is like I said before if there's room in the ICU and they're just using the beds as overflow and they're putting the VIP patient there to get you know a private room but it's really not putting any strain on their resources that's that's fine i have i don't have a problem with that but if you are putting that patient in the ICU and that's causing another ICU patient to be holding in the ER or being transferred to another facility because you don't have ER beds. Or even in, an, ER not
1: home. Like, say it's like a SICU patient being housed in MICU or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other ball of wax because you're, you're affecting care of others at that point.
1: I think at baseline, though, giving them a private room in general, not and again, I'm on—I'm a, a thousand percent in agreement with, with exactly what you said in summary of, like, if this is a, something that we have to bear and it's, like, not fair and it doesn't feel good, but, like, it's part of it. And I totally, totally agree with that. But even at baseline, you're saying that, like, not you, but they, those mm-hmm. who want this private room, deserve it. It's like, all things being equal, the fact that they have money is why they have a private room over, over somebody
0: else who might want one like it just ugh, mm-hmm. i hate it i know i hate it too it sucks ugh.
1: nothing makes me feel like more like a peasant
0: because you can't afford a private room well
1: i probably could but i just
0: you could i don't think i could
1: I mean, you know, I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know down to dollars and cents exactly how much it costs. Probably not then. I mean, like, just in terms of, um, maybe that's why it irks my nerves so bad is because it's just this, like, really intense reality of, like, yes, you have so little effect in this world, and the people who make the world go around are the ones with money, and they get to basically have whatever they want whenever they want it. It's just frustrating.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a whole philosophy of just how, reminder of, like, the disparities in this country of, like between the wealthy and the not wealthy yeah. and I classify it as not wealthy because I mean that's middle class too like yeah it's most poor, people fall it's middle into that class category. it's yeah it's even probably lower upper class you know I mean this is something that gets me so look at um the oldest Vanderbilt right mm-hmm. he's had something like seven heart transplants and he's like I don't know I think he's like a hundred and two or 103 years old. I feel like he maybe finally died. Maybe, maybe he did. After
1: his, like, ninth heart transplant, which definitely yeah, but, he bought from somewhere. Oh,
0: 100%. So, I mean, that's something, you know, that's the same type of thing. Like, you have money. Okay, you can donate money to get moved up to the top of the transplant list and you're going to get a heart at 99 mm-hmm. years old taking it from somebody else, essentially. Who, you're going to use was it for, think, what,
1: six months or something? Exactly. And, like, like the, and that's supposed to be something that that they're so morally snotty about is the transplant oh, I know. process.
0: I know, but like that is exactly what you're saying is my 99 year old life is so much more valuable for the next six months than your life for maybe 30 years right. like it's just i, it's I just an, it's it, unbelievable
1: it, <gasps> i know i showed my dad a picture of him oh he's the, the scariest motherfucker you've ever seen he and, is scary and looking. my dad goes oh that guy's for sure in the illuminati
0: oh for sure <laughs> <laughs> and
1: burst out laughing. i'm like oh for sure i didn't really think that until you said that but yeah you're for sure right about that
0: no a hundred percent and he was like in the illuminati of the 1500s yeah
1: <laughs> oh yeah he's like definitely an immortal <laughs> vampire like that's a thousand percent for true. sure
0: a vampire <laughs> for sure oh my god
1: no, but that's a very that's a really good example. And we can talk about disparities in health in in, in its entirety. Well, not in its entirety. That's
0: huge. <laughs> I <laughs> and mean, And we'll on be it's taking all. on the entire Bible next week. <laughs> 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 oh my oh, god. Man. And the week after that, the entire Constitution.
1: Should we have a podcast where you just read me things like the Bible and the Constitution just cold that I've never heard before and I just have to form an opinion about it. I would love that.
0: I don't know. I like the game where I'm just like, tell me yes or no only. (laughs) I I like that game too. hard. It's really hard. I'm a person
1: where I would rather use 10,000 words when 10 would be fine.
0: I get it. I get it. You're a writer, whatever. Yeah. Alright, well, listen. On that note, we gotta get going because I have to go to work now. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. Wow. I gotta go work in the ER where all the ICU nurses are gonna be mean to me. What if you get a VIP patient while you're down there? Oh, wow. well, wow, I'll give him a private ER room. <laughs>
1: Curtain is this for you, sir?
0: I'm gonna pull the curtain for your privacy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, everybody, you have a beautiful week. Hey, keep sending us all your stories, uh, your ghost stories. We've gotten yeah. a ton oh, of them. They're
1: so spooky. I hate being on the receiving end of them. I'm very scared. <laughs> I hate
0: it. <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, for those of you who aren't aware. Um, we had a listener write in that she really wants us to have another ghosts and superstitions episode for Halloween this year. Sarah and I have given you our brightest and our best ghost stories. So and honestly, I don't think I've had any real ghost stories since last year, so I don't really have much of No, my since own when to day shift,
1: to I don't have anything. There's nothing to do with
0: the of ghosts don't lurk around at 8 a.m. No, they don't. Even they
1: want to avoid the massive rounds of residents just like hoarding. The ghosts
0: don't even want to see administrators. Even the ghosts can't bump
1: (laughs) through all the doctors who are in the way with their wows.
0: The med students in the middle of the hall. And
1: the pharmacy the standing there not helping.
0: (laughs) So Sarah put a post on Instagram that we're looking for ghost stories. We've gotten a ton of them from you guys. So please keep sending them. Are we recording that next week? we'll air it on the 30th. Yeah. Okay. You guys have two to three weeks to send in your episodes or your stories, your ghost stories, uh, so that we can do a Ghosts and Superstitions for October 30th. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, everybody, so send us your ghost stories. And then as always, you can hit us up with ideas, feedback, stories at Insta at Nurse Coffee Talk or to our email at talk at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. It sounds like we've got, like, a ton of, like, avid followers. We love you all oh, so love much. Love you
1: all so much. Thank you so, so much.
0: I know. Keep sharing us with your friends. We couldn't do this without you. We love you. Have a beautiful week. Bye. Bye. Bye.